Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics, the podcast that tinkers under the hood of the paranormal and attempts to find an explanation for everything. Yeah, we are indeed. Um, so today we're going to be talking about zombies and I've got a little confession to make to to people out there and to Ben really. So this episode really started to come together when pre-lockdown, just before pre-lockdown, we interviewed uh, a prepper, a survivalist, somebody who is preparing for the decline of civilization. And it's a really interesting interview which you can hear a little bit later in this episode. So we did this interview and then I guess, Ben, within, what, a couple of days, lockdown happened. So everything started ramping up. We're in lockdown. And so Ben sent me a text. I've not told you this, Ben, but Ben sent me a text and said, really good interview. Um, Why don't we do this as an episode on zombies? And I got the text. And in my mind, I'd got this idea in my head of, no, 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 this isn't going to be about zombies. This is going to be an episode about preppers and pandemics. And I was like, oh, God, do I go back to Ben now and tell him that I don't think it's right? And In my mind, I just went, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to start putting together the episode on pandemics and on preppers. And then I'm sure I can convince Ben that this zombie idea is not the right one. (laughs) So (laughs) I started doing that. And then I had, and we've had this a little bit um, while we've been doing these podcasts, a little serendipitous moment uh, where I was reading a uh, professor's research paper on preppers and survivalists, and it was a really interesting article. And then I got to the end and I was looking through his kind of source list of what he'd used to put the article together. And there was a little link that caught my eye and I clicked on it and it took me to an American government document which was about pandemics and zombies and how to survive a zombie apocalypse. This is an official American document, which we'll go into a little bit later as well. But I just I, I just want to start this episode off by going, suddenly I was sat there with this thing going, I don't want this to be about zombies. And it was like everything came together at once. So if we do this episode right... We're going to talk about zombies, we're going to tie it into pandemics, and we're going to tie it into preppers, which I initially thought wasn't possible. And suddenly this document leapt out at me and said, Peter, yes, it is. Don't be silly. Ben is right as usual. Oh, production is, is, I think, usually 30% serendipity (laughs) and and 20% blind luck. And and the, the rest is research. But... The reason that I wanted to talk about zombies, first of all, I think I think zombies are fascinating because uh, it's it's the one thing like there's been loads of films made about it, and it's the one thing that I think is probably slightly more terrifying than anything else that one could prep for. So the the current situation with coronavirus is it's absolutely horrible and real people are dying and i think maybe if we talk about zombies we can uh, we can both look at it from the serious point of view of could this happen but also enjoy the fact that it is a little bit comic booky it's a little bit walking dead yeah. uh, and, and all of that well and- interestingly with that interview that we'll get on to um the, the the prepper that we interviewed said that she uses the zombie apocalypse as a bit of a metaphor for them to kind of drive their thinking. And I think that's probably what we're going to end up doing today, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, there's nothing you'd want to stay inside for more than (laughs) zombies being outside. I mean, they really are. It's the thing, it's, it's the classic Shaun of the Dead when you look outside and you've just got these former humans now coming to get you and it's not like there is you know they have to be armed or anything they just want to eat your brains and i think that's a you know that's it's a fairly horrific prospect but could it happen aside 
It maybe. So yeah, I mean, I I I think what's interesting about zombies as the concept of zombies is when you that they, they kind of feel. I know it's a kind of paranormal phenomena, but you or, or it's a paranormal thing if they exist, but. Um, it, it's not. It's not kind of tied up with all that kind of spooky, uh, folklorey type stuff that comes with ghosts and all that kind of stuff. They are the. They're pretty kind of single-minded. There's no real kind of spooky haunted tale behind it. And in fact, you know, as as a fan of The Walking Dead, um, whenever they've tried to kind of explain away why they exist, you there's a bit of you. You don't really care. No, you know what I mean, I don't need the explanation, whether it be scientific or kind of paranormal. It's like they seem to be just a scary phenomenon on their own, which I maybe they appeal to people who are not so into the paranormal as well. I wonder. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Well, I did go looking for zombies. Okay. Um, shall I tell you what I found? Yeah, no, I'd love to know if there are any kind of, you know, whether this is. It feels like a thing that's pure fiction, but uh, you know if. If there's anything that kind of crosses over into our world, I'd love to hear about it. Well, I did do a fairly extensive amount of research on this, and the very first thing that I found was on Google Maps. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's from <laughs> August 2003. Oh, is this one of those photos where they've caught somebody on a... Well, it is... Uh, it's just a... It's a pin, actually, and it's in okay. Austin, Texas, and... On the pin, it says, A zombie was sighted inside the hospital by a civilian. Government agency was present, attempting to cover up the existence of this zombie by closing down half of the second floor. And then it's got some stats. Number of zombies, (laughs) one. Right. Known casualties, one. Status, no longer a threat. So... Uh, Hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. I've just got to get my brain around this. So this is on, sorry, this is on Google Maps. It is. How does that work? Uh, <laughs> it, it is, it's, it's just been pinned there by somebody, but it, right. it, it exists. So I think it's either a, well, I would guess that it's actually marketing for a video game, but the marketing right, right. aspect of it has, you know, fall, fallen down the side or... It really is uh, a police sighting of a zombie. But so, I do have a much more convincing well, 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 zombie I, Sorry, I've got, my, yeah. my brain is getting around this. So <laughs> I love the fact that if it is some kind of genuine kind of weird attempt at a leak, it, it's kind of more like a, a, a wiki drip than a wiki leak. Yeah. That it kind of, it's like tantalising thing there. I like the video game thing, seems logical. but It does, yeah. Yeah, okay, all right, all right. I've got my head around that. So Is that then, still there? Can people go and search this out? Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll put the link up on social. Great, brilliant. So if you want to see that, if you go to at TQM podcast on either Twitter or Facebook, we'll put a link up to that because that sounds fascinating. Um. But in May 2012, in Miami, there is a report of a Florida homeless man who was attacked for 23 minutes by a naked man who chewed off 80% of the victim's face. The first police officer on the scene ordered the assailant to stop. But according to a witness, the attacker glanced up at the police, growled and then resumed eating. The officer then shot the attacker but the bullet didn't slow him down and it took several more bullets to finally stop the man who was declared dead on the scene. The, autop- uh, the autopsy and toxicology reports revealed marijuana, but no evidence of any other street drugs, alcohol or prescription drugs or any adulterants found in street drugs. That's a quote. That's why I'm using the word adulterants. Right. So that is, um, that is fairly Where was that zombie-like. From Where was that from? That is a report I found in a local newspaper in... uh, I've got the link here. No, that is uh, actually on a CBS affiliate in Miami. Because it's funny, when you were talking about it, I was thinking, because you do hear about stories like that with people on, I don't know, PCP, Angel Dust, Crystal Meth, whatever, 
or you know been taking speed for days on end doing kind of weird stuff like that but <clears throat> if there's no kind of evidence of those drugs no in there is quite interesting although it does beg the question if marijuana was found maybe that explains why they move so slowly and why he was so hungry. <laughs> yeah, maybe. The, the maybe. name of the zombie is Rudy <laughs> Eugene, and he was uh, nicknamed the Causeway Cannibal. Eugene. Isn't there a Eugene in Talking uh, Walking Dead? Walking Dead, yeah, I think there is, yeah. Do you, I wonder if they took it from that. Um, wow, okay. Uh, and then with all of these things, uh, a great place to go hunting for sightings is Reddit. Yeah. And... I found this. So this is in a zombie subreddit. And the encounter, it to me, it sounds like a cross between perhaps zombies and black-eyed kids, but it's quite short. So uh, I'll tell you what they said. I was sitting in my living room watching TV around 8.30pm and it was already pretty dark outside. All of a sudden I hear knocks on my door, so I get up to see who's there. No one I know ever knocks on the door. They just walk straight in. So anyway, standing on my porch, there are these three guys. Just one look at them and I was freaked out. They seemed almost like caricatures of humans, but ones that walked straight out of hell and onto my doorstep. They were dressed up like Mormon boys in suits, but their name tags only said Jesus Christ. They never introduced themselves and kept asking for people by name. Honestly, I can't convey how uncomfortable they made me felt. I can barely remember their faces now, but one guy in the middle was just staring and smiling the entire time. I don't know how, but my instincts were telling me that something was very wrong. I never opened the door fully and got out of the conversation by telling them that I was cold and I didn't really feel like talking. Haven't seen them or heard anything about them since then. It's been months now and just thinking about it makes me sick to my stomach. So uh, <laughs> I just I thought you were going to say he'd open the door and after all that they said, would you like to take part in a survey? Have you got five <laughs> minutes? <laughs> but they were talking, right? Zombies don't talk, do they? Or do uh, they? Well, I think it depends uh, on which your definition. version of zombie. Yeah, yeah. But um, later on, it, the the poster, uh, as, as always, I've kind of praised a bit. He said that he didn't think that these people were. Uh, human but right. goes on to describe that they were like grotesque in every way so the the zombie elements are around uh like looking and looking as if they're decaying and uh right. smelling quite bad so it, it it's kind of sounds like, more like a demon than a zombie oh uh, yeah maybe yeah yeah but he he sort of uh seems to think that um, they belong to that uh, into that zombie category, yeah. but but there like I there wasn't as many zombie sightings as I had uh, originally hoped, but I did find so y- you know that I've been doing some freedom of, freedom of information yeah. requests and zombies has come up before on those haven't they? It's probably I don't think it's an episode that will have aired yet, or it may have done no. But, um, Yes, we have done them around. wasn't necessarily zombies, but zombies came up, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I found somebody who'd already done a freedom of, freedom of information request to uh, the Welsh police force. And the reason it came up in my search was because zombies was a particular category that they pulled out. So they pulled out poltergeist, zombie, vampire, witch and werewolf, uh, right. along with UFO and alien. And... Um, we've had this conversation before. I love the fact that there's a police computer drop-down menu for this stuff. There must be, right? Yeah, yeah, there must be. So th- this concerns uh, the time period of uh, twenty June 2013 to June 2015. And um, this particular freedom of, freedom of information request actually solicited uh, a number of specific incidents back uh, that the police had recorded and they're right. so matter of fact I think it, <laughs> it's just brilliant so cool. some of them uh, 11th of November 2014 person rang stating poltergeist was in the house that's in from Lamberis. 
21st of February 2014, person rang stating neighbor's son was saying that there were demons in the house. That's right. in Flint. Um, and uh, my particular favourite was uh, from the 30th of March 2014, person rang stating that there were aliens on their roof, and that's in Hollyhead. Um, but un- unfortunately, no zombies. No zombies. No, no zombies. No. But what I did get, so the connection with the Welsh police was, I found within uh, the Welsh police freedom of freedom of information request replies something that was also headed up as demons. But actually, when I looked into it, what it is was somebody asking for information about a particular. A patient in a, a psychiatric hospital right. and this patient has uh, cotard syndrome and that is a syndrome that makes people behave uh, as if they were zombies so for example a case study that i found uh, reports uh, a situation of a 53 year old woman who was complaining that she was dead smelt like rotting flesh and wanted to be taken to the morgue so she could be with other dead people. So right. that is uh, a symbol, uh, a symptom rather of Cotard's uh, syndrome or Cotard's disease. And that, that is, that it, so it sounds like you have an obsession with death or you think your death is probably, there's probably a, you, a, a yeah, you, you, you think you, you think you are dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, although that particular, syndrome the only as as i understand it the only way that that would cause you to go and bite the face off a man is if you were also had another uh condition like um psychotic yeah exactly psychosis or something yeah yeah but um this kind of syndrome happens uh a lot through parasitic interaction in the animal kingdom so it is before before we get yeah. to that. It, it, I thought was quite interesting. One thing I'm not aware of is how far back the phenomena of zombies goes. Is it a historical thing, or is it is it is it a modern day thing, kind of driven by you know? I, I think of graphic novels and films and TV, or, or, or are there examples? Because when you talked about that syndrome, you could that syndrome. I would imagine it's been around for a while. So, yeah, I'm trying to work out where the legend of the zombie came from, if there is a legend of the zombie. So uh, as far as I understand, this all goes back to uh, original zombies are people who were put under the spell of witch doctors in various different religions. But notably it's about um, what's that movie the soup serpent and the rainbow that type stuff right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so it goes back to uh, i think a fear of being uh sort of taken out of the grave by a witch doctor reanimated right. and then being used uh as a as a kind of a servant or right. uh, some kind of slave under the control uh, of these uh, of these witch doctors yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You can see, yeah, that makes sense. But it it makes perfect sense in um, in the horror genre, of course. But it it sounds like your kind of search for human real life zombies. I I know you, Ben. I know you would have done lots of research. So you know you've not come up with loads there. No. So it's it seems like yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like a phenomenon that's necessarily translated from from it, the attention it gets in film and uh, TV to to some no. basis in the real no. world. No, I I was I was to be frank, bitterly disappointed that um, there weren't any uh, particularly uh, anything from a credible source from uh, a police force or something yeah. saying that they had found a, a, an actual dead person eating someone's brain but then i guess to be realistic maybe that, that was unlikely. to be expected yeah yeah so that it doesn't sound like so the reports you said to the police sound very much um general 
paranormalness rather than zombie specific. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Whatever. Right. But I was I was uh, intrigued as to know whether it could happen. Yeah. And that's what got me onto this book, Plight of the Living Dead, by an author uh, called Matt Simon. And that book is all about the different scenarios in nature where one animal, uh, be it uh, uh, an insect or some sort of parasite, causes its host to behave like a zombie. So uh, one of the first things he talks about is a particular sort of wasp who injects venom into the brain of a cockroach which leaves the cockroach alive but subservient to the will of the wasp and the reason the wasp does this is because then it lays its eggs inside the cockroach and puts it in a prison and then that cockroach becomes uh food for the the baby uh the baby wasps but like so it kind of enslaves it and then it it, and then it eats it. And yeah. then it devours it. But yeah, I, I love so, these examples. Go on. Well, what's so amazing about that is that the wasp is specifically engineered. Its sting is specifically engineered to go directly into the brain of that cockroach without damaging the rest. It it uses its venom in a very specific part of that cockroach's brain. Yeah. That is an amazing feat of That's evolution. It. That is extraordinary. And then the one which really got me thinking that this is kind of something that could happen to us humans. Those are like wasps and cockroaches. That's insects. I mean, insects is insects, right? But then there is uh, a parasite called Toxoplasma gondi or gondi. G-O-N-D-I-I. I I think I'm saying that right. And... It is a... What it does is make rats love cats. So the reproductive cycle of this parasite relies on uh, a cat eating a rat because it can only live inside a rat, but to reproduce, it has to go inside a cat. So what it does, it takes over the brain of the rat... And it makes the rat uh, specifically search out cats. And whereas normally in rats, they become scared of the urine of cats. Once infected with this uh, Toxoplasma gondi, the rat actively searches out cat urine and finds it alluring. Uh, So nobody quite understands how this happens but what it uh, what we do know is that it affects a neurotransmitter in the systems for decision making and reward so as i understand it not only is the rat attracted to the smell of the cat and is no longer afraid of it but uh because it's the uh um the neurotransmitters that are being messed with also affect uh, the sexual uh, parts of the rat's brain. The rat is actually given the horn by searching out a cat. Oh, really? It's kind of attracted to cats. It's, yeah, it's very <coughs> positively attracted to it. And so that is... That's incredible, though, isn't it? When you think, yeah. you know, so this thing... Sorry, what was it? What, what, what creature was that does the, the it, parasite? It's, it, it's, what is it's, it like? It's, it's a little parasite called Tocto, Toxoplasma gondi. It's like... Um, it's like a little. Uh, you have to look at it under a microscope. It's almost. Oh, okay, so that's what. It, it looks like a bacteria, which makes it which makes it even more kind of scary in a way. The, uh, right, this, exactly. It, it's this little thing, and it changes chemically. It changes the brain of the, yeah. the rat. Yeah, yeah. So it, it does nothing to the cat because it doesn't need to change the cat's behavior. The cat just eats the rat because that's what cats do. But it yeah. makes the it makes it much more likely that the rat that it's infested is going to be able to reproduce because it sort of puts that rat in front of in front of the cat above all other rats enhancing the chances it's going to be eaten, eaten. and um you know we use 
rats to oh, well, yeah to work out whether medicines and stuff work for us. I, I so, knew that was where you were going with this, and it's that's that is just a, yeah, it is a, it, I, and I'm sure at the moment with like COVID nineteen and stuff, I think I know they're moving to kind of human trials and stuff, but it would have started with trials on rats, right, because of the the, the closeness of DNA and all. yeah. Yeah. That, wow, that's incredible. And, and if if it's I like I completely understand that a a virus and a parasite are two very different. different things. I'm not trying yeah, to mix yeah. them up, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that <clears throat> COVID nineteen appears to have jumped from wild animals into humans, although well, act- we actually could... most of the examples of virus, you know, the SARS, bird flu, and stuff, that seems to be the pattern, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that that does make sense for the life cycle of a a virus, but um, these. Uh, uh, parasites they obviously have evolved over millions of years to make that their life cycle but if it had gone differently or if things go differently in the future it it is just it, uh, i'm not saying that a parasite could bring a human back to life like a typical classical yeah, zombie yeah. but it but seems it could like take over your brain it, yeah you it could take over your brain it's a yeah. lack of control right right yeah and and, and if it's... the life cycle of that particular parasite was that it needed to get into the bloodstream of another human uh out of like your saliva then controlling one human to go and bite another one might be exactly how that works and that's how you might make a natural uh zombie like creature out of a human using some kind of parasite well, I think what's interesting that you know we were saying, look, this is a parasite and not a virus. But I was, I was reading a, a quote from a doctor. I think it was in Private Eye. It was a, a medical researcher who was talking about the COVID nineteen virus, uh, and he said, you know, actually, you know, Trump and people have said it's a very smart virus. It's very intelligent. All this kind of stuff, you know, whatever. But it, he was saying. Actually, in terms of a virus, it's not that smart because he said the smart viruses know how to keep their hosts alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how they reproduce. So they don't want you to die. There's something in, you know, our makeup that actually reacts so strongly to the COVID-19. Well, I'm no medical expert, so I'm probably not explaining this the right way. But, you know, effectively, the fact that it can kill us actually means it's not a particularly good virus. But then it does kind of tie in to what you're saying if 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 that a virus some simple things objective of being successful is to keep its host alive you know and these things you're talking about go a step further and actually take control of kind of brain function in some way and Mm. change the behavior of uh the animal that they tie onto and the fact that that's happening in rats that we use as the basis of research for all kinds of stuff yeah. that is going to get tried out on humans. You know, this leap is not sounding as as huge as, you know, you might think. No, no, we, we just meet machines and all of our uh, drives and instincts are driven either by hard wiring or more often chemical releases and... Uh, you know electrical impulses in the brain therefore if those could be manipulated which we've seen that it is possible in other animals then anything's possible which means that perhaps prepping for a zombie apocalypse isn't a terrible idea well it's funny as you were saying that so we said we talk about this american kind of government document that i found that kind of tied this whole episode together and you know i i I, we i'll put on the link uh on our social media link at tqm podcast on twitter and facebook so you can go and have a look at it yourself i think me and ben are just kind of opening it now so this was produced i think it was 2011 so it's probably what we'd have had sars and some of the other epidemics. this this is so this is by the Center for Disease Control, which is a government agency in the States. 
And the title of this document is called Preparedness 101, Zombie Pandemic. Now, it's done in the style of a graphic novel, I guess influenced by things like The Walking Dead. But if you've got it open there, have a look. But if not, have a look afterwards. And basically, it's the, the, the story of it is, I won't do the whole thing, but it's a guy and his girlfriend watching telly. They're watching a scary movie. His girlfriend goes to bed. He falls asleep, wakes up, and I think the emergency broadcast network is going. And he realised there's been a kind of zombie infestation or zombie apocalypse that's occurred. And really, the whole kind of document is giving us, I guess, or the audience it was intended for, tips on what we need to do to prep and survive for this kind of zombie pandemic. Um, I don't know if you've had a look at it there, Ben. But yeah, yeah, I'm going through it now, yeah. I mean, it's probably not the greatest graphic novel you've ever seen. It's no kind of Walking Dead, but it, it, it's interesting. Well, it's interesting to me for a number of thoughts. A, it's an official government document, and just to title an official document as uh, Pandemic 101 Zombie... Sorry, Preparedness 101 Zombie Pandemic, you know. I kept thinking if kind of the Trump administration had done this now, what people would say about it. <laughs> um, but I guess what they've done is... I don't know. You can. We often talk about these kind of things. You can see the meeting, right, Ben? That, mm. You know... How do we how do we communicate how you prepare for a pandemic, especially to a younger audience? Well, they all like those graphic novels and zombies. Let's use that as the metaphor for trying to get these messages out of how you should prepare for all kinds of pandemics, is what I took away from it. So it's it just kind of struck me that A, the fact that I'd found it, but B that it kind of ties into everything that we've been talking about. So our flow so far today is, you know, we're fascinated by zombies for various reasons. Probably not really any genuine examples of them in the real world thus far. But when you look at the animal world, when you look at, you know, diseases and pandemics, you know, something similar where something kind of affects our behavior could take over and both the american government and i think you'll hear in the interview that we're just about to get onto with julie our prepper people are using a zombie apocalypse as almost a metaphor to to kind of illustrate the danger exactly yeah and maybe that ties back to what we were talking about earlier. There is something very, the bit about the talk, the Walking Dead where we don't need to know where they come from or whatever. We don't need any backstory from them. They kind of, the concept is easy to grasp right from the start mm. that they make a good metaphor. I know in this document that it's um, a mutated form of the flu. Z5N1 is... Um, yeah, the, that's interesting. The, the yeah. zombie flu in there. Yeah. So yeah, a virus, which is quite interesting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that's an official document. Okay, it's done in a, I guess you'd say a kind of tongue-in-cheek style as a graphic novel, but you know, it's there's a serious message behind it. I'm not sure they would have invested all that money in it, it just for a laugh, right? It's trying to get a serious message across via the use of a zombie pandemic caused yeah. by a virus, by the sounds of it. Yeah. Um, so I think, well, as as we said earlier, we kind of spoke to a prepper. Um, now, we spoke to her, like we said earlier, just before we went into lockdown. So I think stuff was kind of getting serious, but I don't, I'm pretty sure there hadn't been deaths in the UK at that point, or if not, it was... It, 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 there was more a media frenzy, but then we went into lockdown soon after. So I think you need to bear that in mind when you listen to this, uh, the interview that we did. But um, we'll, and we'll talk about it afterwards. But it's incredibly fascinating that you know the person we talked to is—I don't know how you would describe it. She's a very normal person, but her and her group, who are in North London, I think you—I think you described them as. Uh, a North London prepping preppers survivalist club. Um, 
it's about what they have been doing to kind of prepare for some kind of apocalypse or breakdown of society. And uh, I think we'll play you a bit of that now because it's incredibly interesting. And so here's Julie. It did start about um, three years ago when uh, I was meeting up with a, a friend of mine, Gail, and we were having a few drinks and talking about the state of the world and Brexit and Trump and how awful it was. And, you know, I've got a, I've got a, a wide range of people who are quite traumatized to middling to sort of don't really care. But those of us who are sort of more traumatized by the events start looking around to sort of say, well, you know, what, what, what can we do? What, is there anything we can do? So my theory about why we do prepping is a little bit of taking control back. Okay. So, so I actually, we do do it to have a laugh, but we have a serious plan that comes out the back of it. So we are prepared. And I do get occasionally people contacting me to say, in fact, actually this week, a friend of mine contacted me to say, you've been doing some prepping. What do we do now? What's the first thing we do? And I have an answer for that, but it's just no good with this, this sort of um, COVID virus. It's not a real apocalypse. Uh, well, that, that's interesting because I, I was going to ask you, you know, we're recording this at the kind of height of coronavirus hysteria. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wondered whether you almost have a kind of level of alertness. Are we on DEFCON 1? Or where, where are we with the I, virus? I, well... I mean, for those of you who looked at it and where we are right now in terms of, you know, you, you've, seen, you've seen China go through a peak and actually peaking off. So you've kind of got a sense of what's going to happen. It'll come, it'll go, and there, there will be a few people. This is not the type of apocalypse that I planned for. So I kind of am not really doing anything to prepare for this. Okay. And, but the kind that I've prepared for is like natural disaster, flooding, um, mass looting on the streets. Um, a proper pandemic where loads of people are dying. It's horrible stuff. Um, but that's, that's the kind of thing we're, we're preparing for. This kind of apocalypse is, um, I think it will traumatise the economy. But it's small fry in prepper mm. land to you. Yeah. That's interesting. So, but if you had, I, I guess a lot of people will be listening to this going, because I, I guess some prepping's already started with yeah. the coronavirus because shops are running out of stuff and yeah. all this. If you were, were going to advise a newbie prepper, what would you say the first three things they should do? The first three things do? that you do. Well, so, so take, take the coronavirus thing away. There was, um, we, did, we did obviously have Brexit Day and there was a, a real fear around um, a no-deal Brexit as to what was going to happen. And I think we actually got within a month of a no-deal and multiple times I sent Craig out to do some shopping at Costco to make sure we had lots of food. And there's sort of this, um, certainly for coronavirus, obviously they're saying two weeks of food and water is what you need. But if you're talking real apocalypse like what I've been sort of thinking about, what we imagine when I get together with my mates and start working through what we're going to do about it. Yeah. The first thing you do is fill up your bathtub. Okay. There you go. Top tip. That's re- Well, it's really interesting because I, I, I was thinking... It's water goes and... Well, I used to do that weirdly because I, I spent two years living in Tokyo in Japan. And uh, because of earthquakes... That we, I realised I was a bit of a prepper then because yeah. I always had a bath full of water. Yeah. Um, I always had a kind of selection of dried food. There's all this kind yeah, of that stuff. Yeah, was, that, was, that was real for you. That yeah. was absolutely real. Well, because you had little earthquakes every week. So it was a kind of constant reminder. And probably a sort of low-level fear of anxiety that kind of just exists because you never know. But you... So filling, filling the bath, I'm assuming you don't have your bath filled all the time no. <laughs> with water, but where, what, where is the tipping point? Yeah, so, so there's this, the, the thinking that we've done is how long do you wait before you think that something's going to be uh, a real problem? And, and what, in all of the thinking that I've done and all the prepping with my friends, I think it's when it's at the point where looting starts, so when, when law and order starts to break out, that's, that's when you start to really worry. And so the first 72, all the research we've done is the first 72 hours of when there's an incident that could trigger something. It, if, if there's going to be mass looting, it will be within the first 72 hours. So we have a plan for the first 72 hours. And then after that is the second part of the planning. It would be great if you could run us through the plan for the yeah. first yeah, 72 yeah, yeah. hours because yeah, we're yeah. almost becoming a okay. public yeah, service yeah. broadcaster here. So, so, so I keep this on my phone and, and, and with my WhatsApp group, we all have this plan. And when we meet, we make adjustments to it, update it, resend it out. So everybody's got this. It's just in my notes. 
So I do have an advanced shopping list, which I can go through a, a, a few of the things on that at some point. Uh, it, it includes weapons, <laughs> which is also a key one. And yeah. one of the discussions, but in the first 72 hours, first thing on my list is fill your bath with water. Second is dash to the shops. And then I have a little referral to what my shopping list is. Yeah, go on, let's have a little <laughs> So I have a shopping list for the first 72 hours. Get petrol, fill up your jerry cans, stay put and prepare for mass looting. But try to avoid contributing to the looting. <laughs> okay. Is, is, is that just to be a good citizen or is yeah. there any reason behind it? No, just be just a good be, citizen. Yeah, yeah, no, try, you, know, don't, you don't have to do the looting. The main objective for the first 72 hours is to prepare for the next fortnight. Right. Then you go in stages, prepare for the, for the next fort, prepare to leave London because probably you will be leaving London. So right. we have an escape route. We've got a plan of where we're going. Right. And we've so, agreed so that as well. So better to be in the countryside than in a city. In the country. Yeah, right. absolutely. Get out of the city. Every, all, the, all the research tells us the city is not the place to can be. We, can we come back to weapons? Because, yeah. you know, it's the first thing that I would think of is, God, we've got to kind of protect yeah. ourselves. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> well, guns aren't legal in this country, see? Yeah. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but that would be a great thing to have in the apocalypse yeah so one of the things i've been running through is like do i have any friends who might be able to give me a gun and i've got some names in my head i won't obviously mention them <laughs> who i go to right how could i do that but but bearing all that so so guns are probably a little bit tricky to get to what weapons would you use what do you use so we've got a list um baseball bats is a yeah. really good one machete probably easy to come across kitchen knife use wine bottles which we have a few of. <laughs> uh, and then the other one that Craig actually said he was going to do was take up compound bow, uh, learn how to shoot a bow and arrow. And I thought that would be really clever. Have somebody <laughs> skilled who could do that. Obviously, he's not really done it. We haven't got any of these. Right. If it gets to the point that I think something's going to happen, that will be one of the things we'll be going out to get. Right. Okay. But not looting for it. You haven't, no got, a, looting, you haven't got a list no of places where you would get weapons. Okay. No, no, uh, no. But there are um, other things like knowing where the distribution centers are. Okay. So where the looting is, is main shopping centers. But thinking about, well, where's all the real goods at? And, you know, uh, okay, so you go, name you go to the like, source rather than the shop. Go to the source and right. w- without naming names, sort of um, big um, distributors of, of goods to, um, to punters. They'll have massive distribution centers. I happen to know where they are and I'm not going to mention them. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, okay. So, yeah, that's, a, that's another one that we've done some research on. So, yeah, so that's the first 72 hours. That's what we do. And then I've got a shopping list for the first. 72 hours which oh the other thing that's really critical is uh communications okay so how do you communicate with the people who are your people and we've got a group we know who the group is yeah. how do you communicate with them and you know if you've got no internet how do you do that and i guess the mobile phone network yeah. could go down well, you've got to be prepared for that that's that's what you that, that's the communication but how do you how do you communicate when so, how, so is, that, is that like cb radio or well something? yes that's so one of the things on my list to buy is walkie talkies and right. cb radio and learn how to use cb radio i haven't gone that, that haven't got to that and that that i think once i cross that threshold i'm actually a proper prepper right <laughs> you're a, you're almost a pre-prepper i'm a pre-prepper <laughs> i'm a baby prepper i can see what i need to do i just haven't really executed yet and a lot of what i do is is just about coping with anxiety about sort of all this craziness in the world so, uh, so it's as much about making you feel yeah, better about yeah. the apocalypse than uh, sort of yeah yeah and i won't i won't deny it when we have a prep club meeting it is full there's plenty of wine that goes around <laughs> um there's flip charts there's post-its there's sharpies it's a stationer's joy to to do and we do brainstorming we think we get maps out we do stuff like that but there's always plenty of wine Right. <laughs> so you have to have a laugh because part of it is, you know, it is a little bit about self-soothing in a, in a crazy world. And how do you just sort of, and, and a lot of people do prepping because of that. Oh. But the, we definitely have a range of people. I do have, um, my friend Gail does have a go bag for her and her partner. And a go bag is one of those critical things for a prepper. So my impression of preppers largely comes from the States and probably around programs yeah. on history channel and yeah. stuff and my overwhelming takeaway from those is that these are people who are preparing for a war they're not really yes preparing to survive um or well they're preparing to survive but they think there are they other think competence whereas um brexit hasn't really got us to the point where 
we're going to be taking on Welsh separatists in a firefight. But I suppose um, the reason that I... So my partner, she she created a a Brexit store in our cellar. And that is... Yeah, but I mean... If if anything bad happens, we'll be having an awful lot of spaghetti pasta. with pasta. with tomato sauce. It's pasta, yeah. yeah, it's pasta and tomato sauce. It's a yeah. staple. Yeah, well, there's, there's a big block of parmesan on my insistence. Yeah. But um, the things that... My impression of um, big disasters, I guess probably, again, informed by the media and the movies, it's, um, you know, Shaun of the Dead type thing. You wake up and everyone's a zombie. In which case, I can't think of anything better than going to the Winchester and just waiting till it all blows over. I think that's probably the best policy. Um, but the thing that has got me more concerned recently, not so much nuclear war, but um, uh, uh, an electromagnetic pulse, either weapon or something coming yeah. off the sun where all of everything fries. And unfortunately, that means cars as well. Yeah. So then you're stuck. Does that sort of planning come across your mind? Yeah, well, um, well, we, when we started this, the first thing we did when we first did when we first got together was we said, let's just think about all the different things that could go wrong. So we spent a good half hour to an hour brainstorming lots of weird and wonderful things from natural disasters to, you know, man-made war to bomb, dirty bombs, blah, 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 and disease, pestilence, and all sorts. So we came up with lots of creative things. Um, and what we realized was it didn't really matter what it was. The plan was the same. It was the same plan. So that made life a little bit simpler. We didn't have to have multiple plans. Um, so but- in, you, you mentioned before there that you have petrol and fuel. Um, like, would you go so far as having a very, very simple vehicle, which would have less chance of being affected by an EMP? For no, example. no, no. We never thought of that. Actually, we did think about push bikes, though. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things on the list. Make sure you've got some bikes, which we, you know, we've got three for the kids. But that's it. There's a lot on the list. <laughs> one of these days, I might get to them. Like I say, that's how. Like, there's this threshold. But um, no, I, I haven't prepared for that specific occurrence. And I think there's also lots of different things that um, there's going to be variations on the plan for sure, depending on what it is that you're dealing with. And like my, the thing that um, I've always thought was unrealistic, but it seems like it's possibly realistic, is that crazy notion of an alien invasion. Has that, yeah. has that come up? Well, Do you think that's nuts? We, we included in our list, as we did the zombie apocalypse, um, so zombies happening. We bought, we've got them in the list. And, and, and in fact, actually, we, you know, I tend to refer to my... Um, prepping as apocalypse, zombie apocalypse planning. Um, make light of it because, you know, what is the point of being you know, too deadly serious about it? Make light of it, but it does, it does serve a purpose. Um, but the whole, I think the whole sort of, that for me, I don't see an alien invasion as a, as a likely thing. There, you know, pandemics, of course, those, those, seem, those seem very realistic. Zombie apocalypse, it's not going to happen. But I use a zombie apocalypse as a metaphor for anything. Well, you say that, but we did a freedom of information request, <laughs> and we found out that um, in one particular police region, uh, it was seven zombies reported in a particular year. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, I'm so not, excited. Yeah, we're not quite sure. I of just the thought I was making this all up. Not quite sure about the definition of a zombie, but we kind of had. Well, that. I think that there is there is that there is that there are certain drugs that you can take. I've seen evidence of people on the street right but i'm not worried about them <laughs> they don't seem to be particularly effective at attacking anybody earlier you mentioned uh, a go bag which i kind of yes. I, I guess it does yes, what actually. it says on the tin that's it what what, what again if we're going to have put a go bag together yeah. what, what should we, should we think, have in there? i think i'm just looking through yes i have it i have a list for your go bag uh, so number one is important documents passports Home ownership papers, marriage certificates, birth certificates, your will. Um, then we get into silly things like energy bars. Yeah. Flares, Swiss Army knife, Sharpie pen we came up, which, which I thought was really smart. 
Um, why, why would you need a sharpie? Well, it's just one of those things. If you want to leave a note for somebody. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If yeah. you're, if you're, not going to rub if you're off at a meeting, so if you're at a meeting yeah. place and you're meant to meet somebody there and you can't save, leave a note. Um, a to Z map. Um, I've also got down here the Bear Grylls book. <laughs> you never know. Rain ponchos. Um, there's quite a list here. Um, but I'm trying to see that. Gaffer tape, wind up radio, scissors, first aid kit, cable ties, um, and water bottle. Water bottle. Yeah. Don't forget that. Um, so yeah, that's so. So that's the first seventy-two hours. That's the first seventy-two hours. So so where does it go from there? So so after so so at seventy-two hour seventy-two hours, and you decide to leave. What we've got is we've got a destination. Okay. And how are we going to get to the destination? So it's a destination in the countryside, um, East Sussex. And um, what we've got is the, uh, what we thought through is we took the map out. We got the map out and worked out how we would get there in advance. So how would you find this? So if you don't have any comms, and we're all a little bit, of it, and we're not very good at reading compasses either. How would we get there? So we worked out that actually you could find the rail station and just follow the rail track, which, um, may not occur to everybody right being a quiet back sort of rails to where we're going to get close to where we need to get to that way i guess rivers and rail tracks are pretty good rivers right? and rail tracks and this is where the sharpie pen comes in to handy because we, we've 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 plotted out our way to get there all the preppers all our, our club know how to get there we can leave notes we've said these are our meat spots we'll leave you notes when we right. get here so yeah and i guess there's some kind of Safety in numbers as well. If the the bigger your yeah, group, yeah, yeah. the better. The safety right? in numbers uh, for sure. And I think um, yes, I there's little. In fact, there's multiple addresses we've agreed. There's one in Wales, one in Cornwall, one in Devon, uh, and in Huddersfield near Huddersfield. And are they in order of priority, or do yeah. they depend on the situation? Well, there's always you know something could change. So right. the one that we've got permission. Uh, from our friend um, to be there is she's she's a she and he are doctors and it's a they're handy to have very handy to have for the little blue pills <laughs> <laughs> oh what if it all gets too much if it all gets too much we've got to have access to something I don't know what they are wow. to be fair but Viagra <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're actually blue, and I actually don't even know what the pills are that you take when it's all going really pear-shaped. You're like, right, I don't want to do this anymore. I think, I think we're ben, gonna get out of dodge. I think Ben's thinking about a different kind of going yeah. pear-shaped, <laughs> like a Rubenesque lady. <laughs> um, wow, that's that's interesting. So you mentioned. So have you been, uh, you mentioned you've got doctors. Have you been selective of who you want in the group or could, yeah. it, could anyone join? Could a, could a couple of podcasters join who've got no talent of <laughs> you, apart from you, talking uh, about stuff? Peter, as we were driving up here, it did occur to me you are in a very good location. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It did occur to me. I thought, oh, I might add, the, I might add this to my destination. <laughs> yeah, well, you're welcome. You need a good vantage point. There's also been places I've been to in Spain where I thought, oh, this is nice. It's on a hill. Yeah. <laughs> Can see everywhere. And you've got a swimming pool. <laughs> so, so I've got this vision now. You've all, you've all managed to get Escape to your reference to point. Yeah. Um, and let's assume you've not had to take your blue pills, that it's... it's that we're still alive. That you're still alive. And it's, uh, it's not at that desperation stage. Do you... I, I guess that you almost have to have a separate plan depending on what the state of things are, right? Yeah. Um, there's a longer term plan. Okay, that's good. So, so <laughs> if things are just not repairable, you've got a survival the plan. <laughs> the longer term plan involves getting chickens and right. you know growing plants. So, if you look in my box, <laughs> if you look in my box, I do have a um, uh, plastic storage box where I just occasionally go on Amazon and buy some stuff that needs to go into the box. I have got a huge amount of seeds. Okay. Uh, vegetables and um yeah, mostly vegetables. Vegetables that you could plant and grow a garden. Okay. So you never know. No, so, it makes complete sense. Um yeah, we've all got individual jobs. We've got we've got um a friend who's gonna be in ch- in charge of finding chickens. We can yeah. have chickens and 
it's there's sort of a longer term kind of okay if we're going to need to settle a community we need to start thinking about jobs so we all started to say okay well what's our job going to be and what skills can we learn yeah so one of us is um supposed to be doing research on foraging you know what's poisonous what's not okay mushrooms all that kind all of all that kind of yeah. stuff yeah um so there's little tasks like you're supposed to learn but i'm sure we're not taking it as seriously as we could yeah <laughs> Well, this is where your Bear Grylls or your This your is Ray why Maya, if you just Ray get the Bear Grylls book, it's pretty much got everything in there. My dog's with us here in the studio today. I'm not sure that he'd be um, great for hunting, but do, do dogs and pets come into this? We thought about dogs, and I think they're quite critical because, first of all, they're your loved ones. So why would you not have your loved ones with you? Yeah. Um, but then there's something about kids and kids and dogs. Uh, if you have to be quiet, and if you've watched, what is that, Walking Dead? Yeah, which yeah. Is brilliant. Whenever they have a scene where there's, a, you know, some sort of baby crying, you're like, ah, yeah, <laughs> dogs barking. <laughs> but they might be a good, a good help to sort of help guard. I guess if you're, if they, if they're yours, you probably have to take them. Yeah, don't I think you? so. Yeah. I think it'd be too hard to leave them behind. <laughs> and really. So we've not made plans to sort of, you know, leave pets behind. Right. No, I was sort of more thinking, is it worth buying, um, you know, big dogs that can help with hunting and guarding like you know a german shepherd or something I, I i if i if i was gonna have to pick a dog probably a big one would be a, a preferable one a german shepherd would be great for the zombie apocalypse i think i'd not day to day <laughs> yeah my cavalier's not bringing any food home <laughs> no i i i think no he's gonna not be somebody who's gonna save you no but he might warn you off if the zombies are coming you might hear them and give them, you know. I don't time. know. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, the other thing that always kind of strikes me with this, and you, I've seen it a bit. I mean, I always think back to the kind of LA riots and stuff like that, and the riots that happened in London a few mm. years ago. It amazes me how quickly, how quickly. things deteriorate. Yeah. Right? You know, I remember I was kind of out in town walking around and suddenly there was troops of riot police telling us to all go home and shops being shut up. You know, and I remember watching the news kind of incessantly that night. This was, what, a few days after this thing happened. So It it, it does happen really quickly. Yeah. You know, if something happens, I guess it depends what it is. But what struck me, those weren't lack of resources or anything. It was Mm. just... It was, mob rule. It, was, yeah, it was mob yeah. rule. Yeah, I mean, once, 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 um, once, once the you know defense isn't there and people just start behaving unruly, even when you're not an unruly person, there's you know I think there's there's a sort of perception that craziness could take hold and that you know and that's why it's like the first seventy two hours, just you know grin and bear it and just stick with it but um uh, it does yeah i think that's what part of the reason you do the planning is because i think something if it's going to happen it will probably be more likely to be quick yeah then of course you've got the notion of um um an asteroid yeah you might have yeah you might have 10 years warning for an asteroid yeah i think i just read something recently in the bbc some there's just been this um huge activity to prepare for a pretend asteroid and what, what you do about it. It was really interesting. Well, I, th- I guess the question with a, that kind of thing is, would they tell us? Yeah. yeah would they wait? Because I think the, there was well, an asteroid recently and they knew about it over a much longer period but didn't want to panic anyone, so didn't say didn't a word say, about it until yeah. it was passed, right, yeah. I think? Yeah, I that's think right. Yeah. The scientists might know about it, Yeah, perhaps. Maybe that's somebody you need on your list, a, a good kind of scientist. Who I don't can't... have a scientist on... <laughs> Yeah, we've got a lot of office people, and we realise we're really unskilled <laughs> and pretty useless in the apocalypse, except for the doctor. Yeah, the doctors are good. You want to hang on to them at all costs, yeah. I think. Yeah. And you mentioned kind of programmes like The Walking Dead and, yeah. and all that stuff. Do you watch those programmes and go, no, 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 they're yes. doing it wrong? Yes, I do. <laughs> you do. What are you doing? Why are you not? Why are you not? Cl- bro, what are you doing? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, but actually, I get a lot of tips from Walking Dead. Okay. So it's a mixture. Yeah, so, it's a mixture. And what are you, when, once you're starting that new life, we still need art and entertainment. Are you, are you planning on putting, you know, shows on, taking board games? Like, because you can't just sit oh, in the dark it. and I go do, to sleep. Oh, I love a card game. I could, I could, I could play 
solitaire for hours <laughs> or you know yeah phase 10 um yeah no we don't have entertainment on the list so actually you've really contributed today because none of us have thought about how we're going to entertain. We do have a wine cellar, so that we, we did think about how, if we're going to have to go on the run, how much wine can we bring with us? Not a lot. Well, I guess you'd have to transfer it into yeah. something else, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, one of those. Sort of Although you've said it makes a good weapon, so maybe, yeah, maybe you do. Yeah, wine bottles. Yeah. Well, you send someone on a stand-up comedy course, and they, they can make really bad jokes whilst everything's going wrong, but they'll seem better because you're drinking. Yeah. I'll volunteer for that. Well, yeah. Sure. I'm in for that. That's, yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think um, we do have a few musical people in the group. So we've got splinter groups as well. We've got okay. a northern group and a southern group. If so, the northern group and the southern group get together, we're all good because somebody, there's a bit of music in, in the northern group. <laughs> and how big, how, how big is your group now? How many people in it? Um, in I think there's about eight, excluding partners and okay. children. Partners, most of them just find it actually ridiculous. Right. So, um, in fact, we're all women. Actually, the men just think, "Oh, it's just ridiculous." This is not good planning for the future, is it? If you kind of all, all an all women thing, it's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. Well, we'll bring the boys along. They just haven't done the planning. <laughs> so, if you were gonna. If you were going to give the people listening to this one piece of advice of being a prepper, what would it be? Oh, I, the one piece would be work out who your people are and what's your escape route. That right. would be. And don't forget to fill up the bathtub with water. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And Clean it out the, first, though. The, the little blue pills, if somebody knows where to get them. I don't even know what they are. <laughs> Arsenic? I don't know. What is it that you would take? I don't know. Yeah, so that's, that's something I need to figure out. Obviously, we're not encouraging anyone to take no, little blue no, pills. But, but no, 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 no. But if the end is nigh... Yeah, maybe it's something you might have to think about, I yeah. guess. I still think it's a better way to go to have the other sorts of blue pills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go, go out with a smile on your face. Go yeah. down with a smile on your face. <laughs> yeah. Well, at my age, as long as it happens within the next five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Julia, it's been amazing talking to you. Thank you for, oh, thank uh, you for sharing me. your plans for the uh, zombie no, apocalypse. It's a pleasure. Pete, Pete, you're definitely going on the list. Ben, you're welcome to join us. <laughs> thank you very much. Excellent. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, Ben, I, th- I found that really interesting. There's a number of things going through my head after listening back to that interview. Um, I, was, I was kind of struck with something that Julie said about it's kind of exercise in self-soothing or making them feel better, almost coping with the uncertainty in the world. And, I, 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 and weirdly, I had an email... Um, back from Julie after we went into lockdown saying, oh, God, this this thing's a bit more serious than I kind of thought at the time we did the interview. So, uh, And I just wondered whether that, that kind of self-soothing preparedness is, you know, is, is probably a good thing in some ways, especially in the current environment. Yeah, I think, I think it is, particularly if you've got people depending on you, children or partners or whatever, I can see how... Um, that it does it does make sense to feel like you have some sort of agency over what's going on yeah um, and and in situations like the one we find ourselves in then I think it makes perfect sense it seems like right now it seems unlikely that we're going to get you know, shop looting and stuff mm. but if it had got a different way then we would there are parts of the world like in italy where that has happened and so yeah it isn't what i it isn't what i thought the prepping thing no and i i I kind of almost you know i felt like if we'd have done that interview with julia kind of year and a half ago we'd probably have a we'd have probably had a different angle of how we interviewed her and a different reaction to it but it it's almost like Actually, pretty much everything she says sounds just sensible, right? Yeah. I mean, I saw, I saw the example. I mean, it's funny the kind of human nature. You know, if you take toilet rolls, you know, when the when lockdown first happened, and 
everybody panic buying. Yeah, I remember there was a point where I was going, we were around the supermarket, I said, no, I'm not going to like buy tons of toilet rolls. It'll be fine. We don't need to worry about that. And then the next time we went to the, the supermarket, they were just kind of empty aisles of no, nothing, no toilet rolls. And then I went like a few days ago, and now you can't get down the aisle for the toilet rolls because yeah. there's so many of them. And it, but it just tells you something about kind of human nature. And it just came across that, you know, Julia and her group are, you know, are, are kind of a bit wise to all that stuff. Maybe we should be a bit more. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. And I guess after this is all over, we'll probably take less things for granted and we'll probably think a little bit more about if the shops aren't open, how how would we survive? Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it, uh, I, I was interested. You know, we said this partly her interview, and you know, finding the the Centre for D- Disease Control document kind of tied it together with zombies, but. You know, I thought it was interesting that she said, you know, in her mind, the metaphor is preparing for a zombie apocalypse. But what she did say was what they found is there's slight variations in their plan, but it doesn't, the plan doesn't really change depending on what it is. It could be a kind of pandemic. It could be an alien invasion. It could be, I don't know, a kind of, uh, uh, like you were saying, a, a, a electromagnetic thing. The key plan seems to stay the same, which I, I thought was fascinating as mm. well. Yeah. Well, she pays to keep as a friend. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The other thing I thought about, actually, since uh, the interview, and it, again, when you said it to Julie in the interview, like, have you, got, have you thought about entertainment and people like that, you know, people who can keep you entertained... And at the time, again, I, I kind of thought, yeah, well, that's not really your first priority, is it? But actually having been in lockdown for a bit, you realise how important all that is, right? Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, you know, in terms of keeping you sane and not going kind of stir-crazy, that yeah. you you need some kind of entertainment in your life. So, yeah, I, I, it was weird our timing with that interview with Judy, and I think it it's weird how this episode has come together but it 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 kind of just all makes sense in the end it does so yeah i mean i think i think again there's another episode in the prepper thing at some point because one one thing we did touch upon in the interview with julian the one that i was looking at is how different preppers are in the uk to the us and what kind of motivates them and you know we touched upon it a little bit that kind of you can see it now in some of the states in the us who are trying to rebel against the lockdown very ties into the kind of some of the theories about why people in the states are preppers and the majority not not everyone whereas in the uk it seems to be a different thing and um, there may be something we can return to. I don't know. It seems it, it's, I'm fascinated by the prepper thing, maybe partly because of what we're all going through at the moment. Yeah. No, let's let's do it. Cool. Excellent. Well, um, I hope our flow from uh, from zombie apocalypse into prepping did make sense. I think it did. But I um, uh, hope you got something out of today's episode, and we'll speak to you soon. Yeah. Stay safe. Stay safe. the quantum mechanics.